Hello, hello. Welcome back <laughs> to another episode of American Dudeocracy. Dudeocracy yet again. Here we are, ladies. Sunshine. Thanks again for inviting me. Howdy. Rachel. And thanks for having me back. Rachel becoming a veteran of the podcast uh, yeah, scene. Digging it. Same with Sunshine. Digging I think this is uh, probably what? Six or seven for Sunshine now? Uh, four or five at least, yeah. Yeah, right on. Shit. We're going to be uh, pros. One day the content will match the ex- the experience for all of us, you know? <laughs> we'll be able to carry on a really good conversation. No, you know, it's kind of funny to start this whole thing on a whim, you know, uh, talking about it and just liking the ability to sit down and have conversations. And I think really um the covid phenomenon the pandemic uh really highlighted how much you know the having a conversation with people was was part of life because that went away for a little while when all the lockdowns and the 15 days to flatten the curve and the two years to flatten the economy and the world (laughs) and how it built into that right and you get in and you know, you you gather around and you start having these conversations and the phone gets put away and you just set aside a little time and pretty soon you're like, shit, two hours went by and I've been running my mouth nonstop. Like, it's pretty easy to just flow sometimes. Kind of nice. And, you know, we've still got people who are at home and filling their hours and more people are listening to podcasts all the time. So you've got greater reach than ever before. Right. Hashtag great resignation. There you go. That's right. People scanning online. <clears throat> and that's, that is one thing that, you know, the the hits and the listening, uh, you know, just keeps kind of climbing up, ticking up. And that's that's the fun part. You know, I committed, uh, did a podcast uh, a, few, a few ago with uh, Mayor Dave, and I was talking about social media and how I'm, I'm just done. I think I'm going to ditch all of it. You know, I've been dwindling at it for a long time. And even the podcast, I'm going to... I'm going to ditch the social media for the podcast because I feel like now that it's it's getting a little bit of exposure and people know where to find us and they're they're growing. I want people to share the show that actually listen to it and go, you know what? This is worth listening to. So I'm going to share it. So that's how I would rather it grow because, you know, you can blast it on social media and get a bunch of hits and a bunch of likes and people might find it once, but that doesn't mean they're going to actually listen that it's worth a shit. So I think that is the true measure of if we're doing something that people want to hear. I think it's kind of fun. It's a challenge, I guess, which is kind of interesting. I like the information sharing. Yeah. Yeah, good good spot to just... more important than ever right now is people just information sharing. Even if you don't feel like you're talking about anything, even if you don't feel like, you know, you have a whole lot to say, it's just, uh, it's community. It's like, here's my perspective. I'm a human being. I'm not your enemy. No matter what your government or my my government tells you, I'm a human being with normal normal human desires and and pursuits. We're, We're all just here doing the thing. Right. And absolutely. And a lot of us share the very same questions about a lot of this bullshit. And that's what's fun, too. Yeah. You know, you might hear a question and go, God, I've been thinking that, too. I'm not the only one. No, by far, you are not the only one. So that's a interesting concept, which kind of leads us down what we're going to chat about. Right. 
Yeah. Here's a, an awesome segue opportunity into uh, <laughs> ditching the norm and uh, maybe picking up and getting off on your own. A little self-sustainability, huh? What you got, Sunshine? Yeah. I, well, we, we've been um, talking a little bit about permaculture or... Um, intentional communities. Intentional communities or societies, yeah. Um, and we've mentioned that a couple of times in the last podcast, and we just thought it might be fun... I am not an expert, first of all. Let me make that disclaimer. <laughs> um, but we thought it might be fun to kind of talk about how we perceive them to be. And kind. And I do have a little bit of paperwork on a description of the person who came up with the, the term permaculture, how they, how they view it. But basically, it's um, a community of like-minded people living on a single piece of property, that is that is self-sustaining and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have cut yourself off completely from society um it just means if all hell breaks loose you you're not going to starve to death and and you're going to have some water <laughs> available and have a community that you can count on of of like-minded people um didn't that happen in waco texas <laughs> <clears throat> And there is the argument for keeping it quiet and not being too obnoxious or loud <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> not raising the flag too high. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, well, yeah. Waco, Texas. I think that's been tried before. Of course, it wasn't called a, what'd you call it? A uh, intentional community. An intentional community. Yeah. I think yeah. it was called a cult back then. Yeah. <laughs> a compound. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is a growing phenomenon, you know. A lot of people uh, that are that are trying to invest less of their energy and less of their money in the in the system that isn't serving them are creating these communities where they support each other and keep more of their business and their energy and their money in house. Yeah. Um. So. Basically, permaculture, what this little article says, integrates land, resources, people, and the environment through mutually beneficial synergies. So, um, kind of the no-waste, closed-loop system, right? Like, you all support each other. You, you, grow, the foo you grow the food. Uh, the waste goes back to the animals or back to the soil. You share with your name, you, you, I don't want to say share, you trade with your neighbors, everybody helps, you know, all that kind of stuff. Everyone makes their own contribution based on what they, you know, want to be a, a subject expert or at least a, a pra practitioner of. So is this kind of more, more than just like an organized neighborhood? Definitely more than a neighborhood or, or an organized neighborhood. It's more like everybody has a job that keeps the society running. Basically, you have your farmers, you have your builders, but it's on a much smaller scale. It might be 15 or 20 people living on one piece of property. And of course, you use outside resources, too. But... But your community grows their own food, produces their own energy in different ways. It's not to say you can't use electricity, but you can also use 
hydroelectricity or um, solar on your property. Um, but basically, yeah, you're living off the grid as much as possible. And really, you know, when you think about that, uh, aren't the Amish kind of that way? That's an intentional community, right? It's a it's a community of people who all bring something to the table who have shared values. They know they can trust each other. They know they have each other's back. If things when times get hard, you know, they're they're uh, it's it's kind of like a small town. Uh, but instead, you know, you've got similar values, things that that you share. Yeah. little more concentrated like-minded folks trying to build a community within a community yeah yeah essentially right to get yeah. a little a little less uh consumer-ish and a little more community-ish that's probably the right way to say it maybe. well and well and if you just think about it economically right now look at the cost of everything <laughs> everything is insane and for a lot of families it's crushing so if you can get somebody who owns a piece of property who has a like-minded um you, you know who wants to start one of these communities and is willing to reach out to people and say you know you're really good at, at um Carpentry. I need somebody to build this for my community. You can come be part of the community if you are contributing in these ways. Then you you are able to give people um, a place to live and a job that helps the place everybody's living on top of they they can still have their normal job it's not an every you don't have to be helping the community as your only source of income but if you're all sharing in the bills and you're all helping to produce to produce the community's standards i guess in food and housing you know some some of these communities it's um <clears throat> You can come be part of the community if you're willing to fill this need that we have. And in return, you can bring your tiny house or your yurt or your camper or whatever. And you can stay on the property and be part of the community. Saves you money, helps the community because you're helping to keep everything flowing. Right? Is that the way that you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think... I think that they can that they can be set up in all kinds of different ways. I've heard, I, I've heard people setting them up in different ways. Some of them are long term and kind of contractually obligated, like you agree to this set of rules. And the intentional part is like, say, if you if you bought a large piece of land that uh, that you don't need to seek government permits to build on, you know that that's appealing so then who do you want on that on that large piece of land you want people who know how to grow food you want people who know how to uh you know the carpenters the builders you want people who are like the the uh fabricators who can build things the um, architects who think of it yeah. yeah you want you want some medical people who can maybe help you not have to use medical services especially right now when they're not trustworthy you know, just all kinds of things. You know, you, who do you have around you that you would want to build build a tribe with? You gotta have some. <clears throat> you'd have to have some some pretty large trust, because my mind goes to 
Well, what happens in the event of a divorce? That's an issue. And those are those are things that, right. uh, you know, people have been doing it for a long time and, and, and they've written all these books and, and papers about what are the issues that you should talk about and try and figure out what would you want to do? People are people. So they're going to they're yeah. going to people once they get in these communities. We were talking about this uh, sunshine and I were talking about this earlier. You know, what happens if you get a community and then you you get a couple of members who aren't married to each other but then they start shacking up together or something you know you've got all these weird interesting dynamics that can come into play and then what do you do about that so those are things that you should think about before you establish the community i i can think of so many benefits but then i can also think of all kinds of pitfalls that's where yeah. my mind goes like what if so you put together a group a married group of bandits <laughs> and they want to go live off on their own well then Pretty soon you got two or three that just decide they don't want to live by whatever the rules are. How do you settle disputes? And then inevitably, like the cops get calls. So then you're involved in the government that you're trying to get, you know, trying to keep out of your business. Like there's there's layers of shit there that you absolutely have to think about. Right. Because if everybody's because if everybody's kind of invested into this society, like it could get messy pretty quick with with difficult mindsets and i think today this day and age the difficult mindsets are many where you know people want to use the legal system is so rampant with everything's got to be settled in court right like who's right who's this who's who's right who's wrong and i, I said divorce but i meant like a community divorce like, okay, well, these two aren't abiding by this. They're not pulling their weight. They're out of here. Well, then those two lawyer up and go to some whatever, and then, oh, shit. <laughs> In some cases, I, I'm sure there are so many different ways that, that these things are set up, and I'm not terribly familiar. I love the concept. I think it's really neat, and I'm interested in, in, in learning more and investigating how how do you make them work. I've got, I've got friends who are interested in them. Some people, they buy, uh, you know, the tract of land, and then that, that land is held by, say, you know, one person, two people people, whatever. And those are the primary people on that land. And then everything else is kind of like a sublet system. Or maybe they sell off pieces of that land to, you know, family members or, or, you know, friends. That's where I think it would get probably sticky if you no longer want that friend living around you. Because what, you know, what happens if you, you guys are certain people when you, when you invest in the community and then you become different people, you know, yep, like maybe somebody Maybe somebody develops a substance abuse problem or maybe somebody uh, is a little too heavy handed in their in their relationship. And you're like, hey, this is not cool. This is not this is not our intent in this community. So you have to have these these rules set in place. And then how do you how do you solve it when when those rules are broken? Right. <clears throat> because unfortunately a lot of people turn to the government to solve those issues and what problems do they solve they don't <laughs> they don't they just take some money and basically rule however right and that's part of the issue so that's where my mind goes like you gotta you, you have to figure out a way to set it up and you would you would almost need like these agreements you'd have to put in place Lots of these communities, it is um, a single person or family that own the property, just like Rachel was saying, and they absolutely contract out the space for people to stay. And it's just like a job. 
Except for in, instead of being paid in dollars, you get paid in space and um, basically farm fresh food and community. And then you also have your day job. So it's a lot like <clears throat> going to your day job, excuse me, and then coming home and doing your household chores, except for your household chores don't just benefit you in your house. They benefit your small tribe. I just, uh, <clears throat> without, without going down the rabbit hole of legality, I think the easiest way maybe to solve the issue I'm bringing up would be you would have to properly vet your people. Heavily, oh, for sure. Heavily vet, I would think. Oh, for sure. Because if you let one or two with that other kind of mindset, like here you are trying to be a is as independent of a community as you can, right? Because you're still within the borders of the United States or whatever. So you're trying to create as as independent communities as you can. So you have to make sure that the mindset is correct and you're not letting in anybody that's going to blow that up at the first instance of they feel they've been wronged. You know what I mean? So like that's, that's where I go. And that's where, because I, you know, trying to be the eternal optimist a little bit. Like, I think that's the whole idea behind an HOA and look at what a shit show HOAs are where HOAs are like, look, we're all trying to keep our properties and we don't want junkyards and this and that. And then pretty soon you've got a Karen and a Bob running around telling everybody what color this can be. And you got to trim your bushes. You've got a dead spot in your grass. We're going to take your house. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, man, we just wanted kind of a loose agreement on don't be a shit show. And it turned into this. So. I don't know. That's I, th- I think about that. That kind of ties back into every time I bitch about buying a fishing license. I'm like, oh, fishing licenses are ridiculous. And I'm like, well, they are ridiculous. I didn't even get one this year. Oh, they're crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like a resident fishing license here in Colorado is like almost 80 bucks. It's expensive. For a year. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But we gave up going to sports and watching sports and we've given up so much. We gave up pretty much all television other than turning it on at night right before bed and falling asleep because there's literally nothing worth watching on TV anymore, except for some documentaries. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Well, where I was, where I was kind of going down the rabbit hole was unfortunately the reality of the situation is if there weren't some sort of regulation and rules regarding fishing, there would be no fish left because there are just too many folks within the citizenship that don't think outside of themselves. So they would go catch as many as they could all the time and there would be none left. So it's, it's, it's a sticky wicket. I get it where, and then is that really true considering how lazy people are today? Oh no, it's so true. (laughs) You, we, every, well, first of all, I got my train of thought back. We will buy a fishing license no matter how expensive well, they get you. because it feeds us and because we have given up every other form of <laughs> entertainment. So fishing is really one of our favorite things to do. So we're willing to pay for it and for the conservation side of it, because we when we are at the lake, it is insane how many people will catch their limit knowing they will not eat it. Well, I think I can find somebody to eat them. 
Well, if you don't know you have that fish going to a plate or to be used, don't take it out of the water. Waste. Put it back. It's so ridiculous. The waste is incredible. <clears throat> and it's, and it's, you just don't know. And I, but you see it a lot. You know, you see it a lot. And it's unfortunate, but it is an unfortunate truth in reality. Now, <laughs> now, that's not to say that the government entity that's taking our money isn't stealing some of that too, because they are most of it. So again, sticky wicket, and I'm not trying to be the the negative Nancy on the whole society, but I like well, my mind got, goes. Got to play devil's advocate though, right? right? Because that's how you that's how you determine what are the pitfalls. Like, yeah, how do you avoid them? Is it is it even something that that would be appealing? Right. And I think I think that's the the kicker. You you have to have that's where the the pre-work and the lifestyle change plan comes in because <coughs> you're not meeting Excuse people me. one night and trying to build this community. Like this is a systematic process that you're getting people you trust, you know, you you like, you love, you you can rely on. So these have to be your people. To where you can make this a reality like you, you've got a plan it can't be a pull the ripcord and we're going to do it tomorrow for me in in my position in life being that i am unmarried i don't have kids i like the idea of the security i like the idea of being surrounded with people who are capable competent uh rough men if they need to be um because you know i I'm a nurse. <laughs> this, this is what I do. I am not uh, a combat veteran. I am not. I am not a lot of things. And I like the idea of if things fall apart in a big bad way, who do I have around me? Do I have people with skill sets? Do I have people with similar values and morals that that you know? I we can all help raise each other's children to be people that we recognize rather than government drones. I, that there are things that are appealing about it. I don't, I certainly don't think that it would be a good idea for, for a lot of people. I, I, I could see it being a failure for a lot of people because they fail to think about all the things that you do have to think about. Yeah. Like water source, oh, food water source. Huge, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, fuel. These are you all know, things that I think all, about now. You know, yeah. uh, how far away am I from the river if the water doesn't work anymore? Do I have a way to make that water clean so that I can drink it and cook with it if if my city water gets turned off? How you are know? you going to cook with it if there's no electricity or no yeah. natural gas? Yeah. Do I have some wood? Am, am, am I going to cook in my fireplace? Do I have a little camp stove? Uh, at what point am I going to flee the city and where am I going to go? <laughs> you know, yeah. There are so many crazy, crazy conversations that are happening on a much larger <clears throat> scale now than they used to because of where we find ourselves today. Well, we were talking earlier about, because um, you always think, well, we would have, so how much time do you think we would have, say, if an EMP went off in every major city and there was no electricity, no 
communications. How long would you have? Do you legitimately think we would have before society just started falling apart? There are people who have uh, statistics on on this based on historically when it has happened. I would say honestly, I think probably f- within four or five days, you're going to probably have people going to homes looking to see what they can get because we don't even have people who have you know a stocked pantry they don't have food on their shelves so if there's if they can't go to the grocery or if they can't go down to taco bell or order the pizza where are they going to get the food to feed their kids they're going to have to come for it right and that's there there are more people than you would imagine that rely on fast food for more than one meal a day so I again, been those people. It it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens, right? and it's yeah. uh, you know, I think uh, like personally, I would throw, I think forty eight hours. I think you've got forty eight hours now, depending on what it is, and and my mind goes to, like, drinking water, 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 other than air, which you know, nuclear <laughs> radiation, whatever. But but water to me is the one thing that all of us have always had here in America, I'll say, have always had the ability to just turn on the faucet. Now you go to the store, you buy bottled water and filtered water, but you've always had the ability to just turn a knob and there's water delivered and to we you. And have to have it. And you need it, right? You can go two days, about two days without water, given conditions. You can go seven days without food, uh, typically, but two days without water. So I would give it 48 hours before society starts seeing a significant breakdown without aid of some sort coming in to help. Yeah. So like that's where my mind goes. I think it gets really, really ugly every hour after 48. And then you start thinking about uh, so fuel pumps gas pumps right those those rely on electricity so if you can no longer get fuel you have what you have stored or you have what whatever's in your tank where are you going to get to are you safe where you are there is no appeal to me at this point of living in the city no those cities if if shit goes down they're just going to empty out and they're they're going to come here well to that point well yeah try so to that point doesn't mean you gotta let them on the time frame i was just recently we talked about this earlier listening to the joe rogan podcast and he was talking with robert kelly another um comedian and i cannot remember the um city that robert was talking about that him and his family lived in but a very large city and the electricity went out and it was going to be like an overnight thing for the whole city and i can't remember i i just can't remember the city but anyway he um he took a bunch of pictures the very next day like within eight hours of what was happening in the city and it was like hundreds of thousands of people in the streets because all these people that live in high rises and there's no electricity they all have to come downstairs and so like people went to bed their normal everyday lives and in the morning they woke up and the streets are literally you can't drive anywhere because they are full of people because there's no <laughs> like yeah. they can't go up to their apartments in the dark well and you think about something like like 
so the government has us kind of whipped into this this fear frenzy right now and we're all a little twitchy i'm a little twitchy like my power a, a truck in my neighborhood hit a power line uh was it yesterday or the day before sometime in the last two days and the power went out and i immediately went outside and i was like shit what's happening like is this is this it is is, is it going down right because yeah. they've been talking about an emp right they've been talking about uh, uh nuclear blast weapon, right <laughs> weaponized emp and i wondered is that it so if the electricity is gone then there's no communication people don't know what's happening and your imagination starts running away with you you know and all you need is one twitchy person in the crowd and everything gets violent fast and we know we know you know that mobs aren't safe there's mob mentality yeah absolutely it's it gets a, scary fast and there are more predators out there than than we like you know than we know so he said on that podcast um and he in his pictures it took one night and almost every neighborhood had dumpster fires because that's how they were lighting the streets because there's no electricity no street lights people aren't used to the dark in the big city you know so they had all these fires going everywhere he said the only people that were not freaked out were the homeless it was just everyday Those life for the, the homeless survivors. people That's they right. knew where to how to stay warm because it was cold time of year you know like fall time and um they knew how to stay warm they knew where to go for food yeah there's, it's pretty it's pretty interesting to think about those are society's survivors right now mm-hmm they could teach us a lot if we have ears to listen right <laughs> <clears throat> you find out what you need real quick what do you need versus what do you want yeah and I, I think what are you willing to do can't separate those two yeah well to be fair um, you know since uh, the last world wars or the Great Depression, no one's ever had to make those choices, not in our lifetime. And and in a in an everyday life, and this is where this is where patriotic Matt gets a little pissed off when I hear people bad mouth in America. Cause I'm like, dude, you have had it so fucking good here. You don't even know where your food most comes from. Most of us have had to want for nothing. Right. Most. <clears throat> and, and there, that doesn't mean there aren't some that do, cause there obviously are, but I'm like, man, like want and need are two different things. And in those situations, that's, that's the, the caveat, like put together something. And, and if you had to throw your life on your back to survive what goes in that pack that's what you focus on that's the focus that should be your focus because everybody you people get overwhelmed well and god you, i don't know where to start and if you don't know what you should put in that pack research bug out bag b-o-b yep. there's all kinds of information online telling you what might be a priority if you're going to throw canned goods in there you should probably have a can opener or at least know how to open a can without you know uh, and canned goods are heavy canned goods are heavy and <laughs> heavy. dehydrated goods are expensive yes yes and you know you talked about boiling water um boiling boiling water to treat it to drink it only works for bacteria and germs if it's contaminated with some sort of chemical boiling water ain't gonna do shit yeah it's just gonna be hot water that kills you 
It's like, these are the kind of stupid survival things. Like you just kind of got to know that if you haven't been thinking about them yet, it's probably a good time to start. Yeah. Why not? And And if you have friends that already know these answers, those are good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to them. Have the conversation. Strike up the conversation. You see somebody wearing a shirt that says some goofy stuff about bugging out. Be like, what does that mean? And just listen, just get educated for a second. It's, it's interesting. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of capable people out there. And I think that's what's what's kind of been interesting too. You know, you see, you don't have to rewind the clock too far back when, you know, the people were talking the initial discussion about supply chain breakdown and the four hundred ships backed up at our at our ports, right? Yeah. Um, latest status check. Do you guys know what the latest status check is on our ports? How many ships are waiting? I don't. I lost track. I don't know. The shiny. None? Zero. There are zero ships waiting at our ports. They're actually arriving much slower than they should. That is, is a real problem. Is there an problem. answer why? China's shutting down. Oh. COVID lockdowns. Most, a lot of our stuff comes from China. Heck yeah, it does. Everything at Walmart. Yeah. China, <laughs> China lockdowns. So you went from, remember, their economy, when America started shutting down, China had already finished their initial lockdowns because they detected and they, communists, they shut it down. And then their economy started kind of booming while we were shut down. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, well, China's booming. And then all the ships were at the ports and we couldn't get the supplies off fast enough. And people hoarded fucking toilet paper. Remember, like all that weird stuff that doesn't line up. Yeah. And then now those ships aren't showing up because they they're having another outbreak. So you want to talk about like real supply chain issues coming They're They're here. They're already here. And like you said, living in the city. So why does it only take 48 hours? Because everything, everything that goes to a city, including ours, grocery stores, is trucked in via truck. It comes through a port. It goes to a dis- distribution center. And it is, is trucked and delivered to stores. So that's why a city in one day becomes a shit show because the people outnumber the stores thousands, hundreds of thousands to one. Shelves go bare overnight. They don't get replenished. Then chaos ensues in a gas station. You mentioned that the typical gas station holds about 30,000 gallons of gas in storage when they're plumb full. You take that in a community like ours, that gas station, even without power, people will figure out a way to pump the gas out of the holding tank. It'll be gone in a day. So then it doesn't get replenished. Fuel supply is gone, right? Like these are the types of things. And this, this is where you know, the military planning strategy books, you start reading that there's a reason why certain things are focused on when you are at war. And that's because they are effective because it just cuts it off. They become weak. Communications, number one, food, energy, power. You win. Where are we at in the government right now? Food shortages. Energy shortages. (laughs) They've been warning about uh, potential EMPs and shutting down the electricity and the Internet, Mm -hmm. like the Great Reset stuff. Communication with with COVID, you couldn't see people. They're they're shutting people off of social media. They're canceling people. So crazy. 
Well, and, and the news there is like you start tying things together and without getting crazy about it. So if your power goes out, if you, if your power goes out in a community, right? One, obviously your power's out. Most people rely on power for heat, whether you're natural gas or not, you still need a furnace to pump that heat around and run the thermostats and blah, blah, blah. Well, the water being pumped to your home is pumped via electric power or pumps through the system to provide water to your house. So without power to the water plant, you have no water. So these things start having this ripple effect very quickly. And then that's, that's part of the issue. And, you know, everybody, <laughs> a, a lot of people jumped on the solar wagon and they like, oh, I have solar panels, but they don't have storage for their power. They have solar panels on their roof that backfeed power into the grid. So they can't actually power their home but from no them. battery. Right. So, <clears throat> so their solar panels essentially just gather power and send it back through the lines into the system. They don't, they can't plug their phone in and use it later. Right. Without a battery. So it has to be a separate deal. And, and people don't have that because those batteries are like, 15 to 20 grand a piece, depending on what kind you buy. Yeah, they're pretty expensive. And you need a few of them to, to live the lifestyle. And I did, I did that project here at this house. Um, and again, our house isn't huge. It's a ranch style, single family home. You know, our power usage isn't astronomical by any means. Um, and to live our current lifestyle, if we were to cut off the grid now, so a couple qualifiers here, cutting off the house from the grid electric wise. I didn't change my natural gas components. I left those natural gas. So I was just going to change what we currently use for electricity. And I, I looked at what it would take from a solar panel and a battery standpoint to be sustainable. What'd you come up with? About $150,000 just for this house. Yeah. Um, we had to, the, surprisingly. That's prohibitive for almost everybody. Oh, it's it, it'll never pay for itself, right? Because yeah. two, two reasons. Um, the expected lifespan of a solar panel is about 10 to 15 years best. The batteries are only scheduled to last about 10 years. So every 10 years, essentially, you have to rebuy that system. That's a huge investment. So it's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of supplies. It's I a lot of labor. I did not they cost that much. Oh, it's a lot. But but again, that was to completely, that was <clears throat> to not change our lifestyle. So we could still watch TV at night. We could turn our lights on at night. Yeah. Like, we could have a hot tub. We could run our <laughs> microwave, you know. So so again, what do you need? Yeah. Uh, this was just not to change our lifestyle and to have enough storage. Okay. The caveat, another caveat, detail. To have enough battery storage to where if we had snow or shitty weather where the solar panels weren't charging the batteries enough, I had three days of solid battery power. Three. 72 hours. So in a nuclear blast, I'm screwed in three days because nuclear winter, solar panels aren't going to work, right? But three days of power because I didn't want to rely on it. And then my solar panels were going to be set up to where they could charge all of my batteries in one full solar day. So I needed a lot of panels and I needed, I, I can't remember any batteries. I think I came up with three or four. I think I needed four batteries at 15 grand a piece. And then all the solar panels to feed them. 
So it was a big system, a lot of money. And, and then I, yes. so I ran the numbers <clears throat> and I, I did all the math. And I did all the conversions because you have to figure out your solar panels in kilowatts and then the batteries are in gigawatts and you have to figure out how many you use based on blah, blah, blah. So I did all the math and I ran the calculations and I came up with a number and was like, man, maybe I'm screwed up. So I actually reached out to a company for a bid and they came back even more. I was like, <laughs> oh shit, I need to stop. Like, well, at least my math wasn't too messed up. Like, it was like another 20 or so grand more than I thought, actually. That is a good argument for trying to figure out how small can you make your life and get away with right now. Right. And it was an eye opener because at the end of the day, need and want. Yeah. And I think at the very least to do that, you would need at least two of those batteries one for redundancy right so one could run your house for i want to say they're they're set up based on power needs typically you can use one battery to run for about 24 hours so you need a backup because one has to constantly charge and get ready while you're drawing one down so your recharge rate has to match and you have to take in to account that the best solar panels on the market even today in 2022 with the billions of dollars in subsidies and all the extra money that's went into them, they're only about 35% efficient. So you have, and to, weather. You, you have to take that into account and then cloudy days and snow. Mm -hmm. We live where it snows. So I think you need at least two batteries and enough solar panels to run a, a solid charge on either one of those within, you know, eight hours of sunlight. And then you got a chance so you can keep your fridges running and things like that. That's like necessity. Yeah. So that cost, you know, you're probably looking, I'm going to guess because I haven't ran that scenario, but I'm going to guess um, all in. If you do your labor yourself, uh, you're probably looking at about 50 to 60 grand would be my guess. So, you know, and that was before inflation too. That's so. real spicy. That's <laughs> a, uh, I guess that's, where the rubber meets the road on some of those discussions because they're all this great idea and this renewable yeah. energy but so then what are your other options you might have like potentially hydroelectric uh, hydroelectric maybe you would know more about the feasibility of that to run a home than i would and like if you had a creek on your property or something like a, a stout running running creek could you do that with like a you need a lot of water uh to, to run a home off of one like a so you really couldn't run a community off of that no no not i mean even to to put that into perspective right so i think the hoover dam which is lake mead um when it's running at full capacity i can't remember how many homes worth of electricity that actually pumps out but that water source and those um that setup is gigantic yeah. so to have a residential setup like that um i don't think i'm trying to i'm trying to think so like size wise you'd have to figure out cubic feet per second you know cfs on the water blah 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 i really don't think above and beyond running like a fridge i don't think you could do much else and your fridge would have to be probably pretty energy efficient to do so like so you could use it as a as a subsidy like if you had those battery packs and you're looking at other ways to try to charge those other than just solar and wind but i think it would be i think you'd be hard pressed like you've seen those little tv commercials with the little 
deals they throw in the creek and they're trying to charge their cell phones. And like one of those turbines is, you know, six, eight inches long and, you know, six or eight inches around. And it probably takes a few hours to charge a cell phone, you know, at best. Um, but that's just that power. Like, so to take that from that to 110 or above and beyond that would be crazy. I think you'd be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Without a ton of water and a, and a very large setup. So, uh, to me, I mean, the best bang for your buck, uh, would be essentially, you know, a natural gas, uh, the, the benefit of a natural gas pipeline versus a water line is, you know, natural gas, uh, comes out of the ground under pressure. So it's, it's pressurized naturally. Now that's not to say that you don't have to have compressors to run, to recompress the gas, to keep it moving, but those compressors run off natural gas. So you have a self-sufficient system that will run itself regardless of electricity. And right? is there a way to actually harness that that doesn't rely on the government saying, hey, you can have this natural gas? There's ways. There's ways. In the event of something like that, absolutely. There are ways. And, you know, that's another benefit of living, uh, you know, around an energy source like that. Uh, now, that's it's dangerous. If you don't know what you're doing, you, you know, you go blow yourself up. Uh, but there are ways. Uh, now it's not, that's something you would have to be prepared for. Like you can't just find a generator that's going to, you can convert to natural gas. Like yeah. that takes some time. So something else to think about. It's another um, puzzle piece, if you will. Yeah. This is getting to be a really big puzzle. It, yeah. it, it really is. <laughs> it's a very large puzzle. It really is. And that's, and that's where you, you go back to that question. You know, what do you need to me? Uh, you know, refrigeration is about all the power you really need. Um, you can use wood for a lot of heat, cooking, things or like pellet that. Pellet stoves. Yeah, that pellets. That can be very energy efficient depending on the, yep. the pellets that you're making and using. Absolutely. So, you know, I think it's a, it's, it's, a, it's an eye opener. Like if you look around at the lives we have today and you start thinking like, what if... Uh, and I think your life looks very, very different. Um, oh man, life, life is so much different yeah. than it was and it's not even hard yet, but it's getting there yeah. fast. And the, the threat of how hard it can get, the threat is, is large and looming. Who knows how big it really is, you know, because they, they like to keep us in fear. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and realistically, you know, the, the nuke thing, I mean, nukes have been a potential threat since the day they were invented. Like. As soon as people had nukes and governments had nukes, it's out of our hands anyway. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of a crazy concept, but it's something to you know something to think about. Uh, like if you're if you're looking at uh, survival, like that's what you got to look at. You know, everybody. Oh, I'm gonna run to the mountain. Like, you know how cold it gets on the mountain, dude? And depending on what season it is, you might not be getting to the mountain. Right. What kind of vehicle do yeah. you have? How far up the mountain can you get? Yeah. Most people don't even know what how to start a fire. There? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you and the other 50,000 people get up there together. Like, how's that going to work? Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting concept. You know, it's, there's a lot of, when it gets down to the detail and brass tacks, I think there's a lot of talk 
and not a lot of thorough thinking about like what it would take. Because even just planning isn't enough. You have to have implementation. You have to know how this stuff actually works. Absolutely. And, you know, and that goes back to, to peel that back to the singular level. Like, what are you reliant on? So if you've, if you've got a prescription per se for something like that, that's a, that's a life ender in, in the event of something really catastrophic, right? There was a book, and I wish I remembered what it was right now, but it was something like uh, a day after or 60 seconds after or something like that, and it was about... The moment after. Oh, I, man, I, I believe that, it's the moment after. That was a fantastic book. I read it maybe a decade ago or, or, or something, and it really, uh, it was really eye-opening to me, and that's when I started really uh spending a little more time reading about the plants that are native to my area and what their medicinal uses are because there are a lot of people who are dependent on drugs and as soon as that supply is over they're they're on a schedule you know oh yeah ticking down yeah and then you know rationing and and everything else now that's uh if that's the same book that a friend of mine uh turned me on to that too and it basically it, it in a society where that happens, um, skill set, skills, and abilities become uh, the new monetary value. Yeah. Right? Like money does nothing. So if you're not useful or if you don't have a skill, if you don't have an ability to provide or do something, you're essentially a useless member of society and you're, you're not needed. Not here. Go away. Uh, you're, right. you're a burden. You're not a, you're not a help. And therein, you know, that comes back to that whole intentional community and surrounding yourself with people who actually have the skills to get the things done. They have the knowledge. Right. Or at least enough grit Some <laughs> to roll ethic. up the sleeves yeah, and yeah. try to get it done. Yeah, you know? yeah. Hoe a garden by hand. Right. Let me tell you, that's a lot of work. You don't have a rototiller. That's a lot of work. A lot of rocks around here. <laughs> around here, there sure is. There sure are. A lot of river rocks, and those suckers are a pain in the ass to dig out of the dirt. I bent a shovel on one two years ago. <laughs> I, I believe my it. bones too because oh, I was jumping on the shovel. <laughs> we rototilled this this garden plot out here a couple of years ago when we bought the house, and Matt. Matt borrowed the neighbor's rototiller and he would take, I don't know, four, four or five steps with the rototiller and we would come behind him, me and the four boys, because it was during COVID. So we were all home and we would fill the entire wheelbarrow with rock with rock and he'd take another four steps, you know, forward and we'd fill the wheelbarrow with more like a, we lined the whole yard with rocks it was insane i gave up and we built uh, above ground beds and filled them with dirt because the soil is so bad and there are so many rocks yeah yeah the the colorado the river rock around here and it is very embedded right because the water has put it there so it's yeah. and and the tiller passes that i was making I would have to set the tiller to only dig about two inches in per pass, and we would kick up so all the rocks. So that you didn't get one gunked up into your blades. Yeah, so I could, right? Like, I tried the first pass, because I'm an idiot and I'm pig-headed. 
I tried to, I got the bullet, got the <laughs> tiller and I dug down all the way until the blade was down. And then I was trying to let it go. And it was like, I couldn't go anywhere cause it was hitting rocks. So I had to bring the blade, the depth up. I'd make a pass at two inches down and we would clear a ton of rocks. And then I'd make another pass at about two inches down until I could finally get, you know, eight, 10 inches of the blade buried and actually till the soil. Yeah. But that took, that took a lot of work. It, we were out there for days I like tilling. I love tilling, actually. We love the garden. Oh, man, I love gardening, too. But by hand? It's hard. It's really hard. It's a lot of work. It's backbreaking work. There's a reason we developed all these tools to make jobs easier. But unfortunately, we we made all these tools that rely on fuels that we may not necessarily have access to. That's exactly right. I was just covering that stat. Uh, You know, the the diesel-powered farm equipment has allowed uh, one farmer to take the place of a thousand people in the past. One farmer per a thousand laborers that used to take. That's how much work equivalent swap with the new equipment. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It's incredible and it's scary because that means people are that much farther removed from knowing their food source and how to maintain their own food source yeah people are clueless yeah it's true it comes from the grocery store that's where the meat that's where the meat's made tacos come from taco bell that's right i don't even know where tacos live (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know what a taco tree looks like I used to give tours at a local local um, farmer's market that um, grows their own fruit and makes their own um, cider from that fruit. And we would get tours from Denver and from all kinds of places. It is incredible how many people do not know that apples grow on trees. Really? completely mind-blowing how many people do not know that apples grow on trees so at the risk of saying something that's completely indecent we all know (laughs) that if times get hard there are a lot of people that aren't going to survive they didn't take the time to learn anything about how life works and it's going to be horrible and it's going to be tragic, but it's true. And it's the way it's, it's just the way that life works. If you don't take the time to develop any knowledge for how to keep yourself alive, how to perpetuate life, you're probably not going to survive. Well, it's uh, yeah, the simplest way to look at it, right? Like y- you, <laughs> Me, I, as individuals, should be the most responsible for our survival. And the only way to do that is to take the reins and figure your shit out. Yes. Right? Because it's, uh, you know, and and I get it. You know, life is busy and everybody's aspiring to be a bazillionaire and all this crazy shit. But, you know, we we... Dave and I were talking about this and I, I love the, I like the concept because I think it speaks volumes of where we're at as a society today. What, what I see a lot of is there are a lot of folks that I know that are very conscious, very aware, and very committed to their online life. 
their online appearance, their social media updates, their likes, their pictures, their filters, their That's videos. Where all their energy goes. And and then this those a lot of those very same people will say things like, My life sucks. I'm not doing this. I can't I haven't been able to I'm behind. I'm not I can't, you know what I mean? Like my job sucks. My life sucks. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's like, well, they get all of their happy endorphins from, from the internet. Well, all their, all their focus is going on to is going. Most of their focus is going into their online life. If they put that focus into their life, life, their life, life would be significantly better, but you can't, I mean, you kind of, you get what you put into like you, you get you get what you get yeah and if you're focused on that this is going to suffer and if you're focused on this that might suffer it's it's just a it's just a a natural thing that occurs so if you don't know life skills you are essentially forfeiting and relying on someone else or many others to make sure you can live through another day and at some point, your survival is no longer going to be their priority. Ding, ding. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Like that. And that is the absolute truth. And the scary part is in the digital world we live in, some of that is going to be forced upon you. Oh, sorry. You didn't get your whatever can't let you in that was that was already happening uh in some places with vaccination passports i can't let you in the store just doing my job yeah like what that shit's gonna make a resurgence and they're gonna make another pass at it and it's gonna get harder this time because now they know what they can get away with right now is i mean every day every day it's important to learn a little more life skills, sustainability stuff. And it's also more, more important by the day to speak out against the bullshit. Even if you don't think it's going to, I I don't, that's, that's another part. I don't understand how when you watch something affect another human being, how you can say, well, that doesn't affect me. Like that's, it's guaranteed to find you. I don't, I just, I don't get that. That mindset's weird to me. It's foreign. It's like, well, I, out of sight, out of mind. Doesn't bother me. It's like, well, if they'll do that to that person. And anybody who didn't didn't believe that before, after this last few years should absolutely understand that that is true. If they come for your neighbor, they're coming for you. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unless you have a bunch of like-minded neighbors living on a property. That's right. <laughs> then you got more of them. That's right. Bring it on. Well, don't bring it on because we're still pretty outmatched, but just leave us alone. <laughs> Build those parallel societies so that you're less reliant all the time yeah. on the people who can shut off your supply of groceries, shut off your power. You know, it's, it's all about being less reliant. Now, uh, I wonder, I think the real, the real dilemma is going to be when the phones shut up. 
there are going to be a lot of people who immediately look up for the first time in a long time and wonder, oh, shit, what's next? You know, what do I do now? Right. That's it. Just kill me. I don't want to live. Yeah. I can't find TikTok. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I have to admit, I, I, I will miss the memes if the phones get shut off. We'll have to go back to like uh, paper memes, like cavemen or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, drawn stuff. Be interesting. Oh well, that'll have to be part of the uh, part of the society. <laughs> Slap a big cell phone tower out there. <laughs> if we if we build a strong enough cell phone slash internet tower, it could cook our food. <laughs> <laughs> and us. <laughs> I've been meaning to play this little TikTok. I don't, I've never been on TikTok, but people are always posting the little, uh, the little clips, you know, on Facebook from TikTok. I've been meaning to play this for you. And since we're just talking about stupid people, I'm going to go ahead and play it into my microphone. Yeah. So this is, uh, they're just standing. At, it's a gentleman who looks like he's probably in his 60s with the with the beard. And they're standing, I don't know, out in the, a mountainous kind of hilly area. I don't know who this gentleman is, but this is what he has to say about society as a whole right now. There's a lot of uncertainty going on. There's a lot of stupid people doing stupid things and... Mine's going, mine's going crazy, and seems like every day just people get more ridiculous, and things are getting more ridiculous all the time. And you know, things have been pretty ridiculous for a long time. Just now, we're just more aware of how ridiculous they are because we'll have access to more uh, of the ridiculousness that's going on. <laughs> so it's all stupid. It's always been stupid. It's always probably going to be stupid. So I just hope it takes some time to just look around this world and go, well, this place is. Oh, sorry. I don't know it's what pretty happened. cool. This life thing is pretty cool. In spite of all the stupidness. <laughs> all right. So hope you're enjoying your stupid life. <laughs> I feel and like that's that, the end that's of like it. this whole podcast. Right? <laughs> There's still some good shit out there. Let's make some more good shit. Enjoy your stupid life. Yeah, he's like he just, just summed it up. <laughs> There's some stupid shit. That, that is a man with his finger on the pulse. Yeah. I I I have been meaning to show that to you because I was like, I this guy just said it all. <laughs> Ironically enough, he that speech to me just made more sense than anything that's came out of our president's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just he just illustrated the diversity of the words stupid and ridiculous, and that's that speech made that more sense. Covers the last two years. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah, he should be the White House press secretary. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Next question. You're stupid. That's ridiculous. Next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty stupid. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, yeah. I don't know that I've agreed with anybody that much recently. That's, that's pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. 
Any last words? More last words again? I know. That's like more, the fourth more. time we've said goodbye. <laughs> All right. Well, I happy guess Saturday. With that, yeah. yeah. Peace out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. yeah. See you next time.